When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Whether it's the legendary lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, women's football news has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss women's football news. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's football is here to stay, and so are we. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here, and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Hot Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. We're back for the second time this week as we preview Monday's Premier League clash against Chelsea at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you? Yeah, good. We had a really enjoyable and busy press conference. Really long one, actually. It's about 41, 42 minutes in all. Press conference with Ange Postacoglu, which was excellent, really. Looking ahead to Chelsea, but also kind of touching on various other matters, including my holiday, weirdly, at the very start of it, <laughs> which surprised me. And yeah, it was really good. And we've got that to talk about. We've got the changes to the recruitment structure at Spurs to talk about. And of course, the return of a certain Argentine on Monday night and a big London derby. Yeah, so loads for us to tuck into into this second half, as it were, of the podcast week. Yeah, before we jump into today's show, uh, just want to share with you a brand new publication from Reach PLC, celebrating and covering think everything that is women's football. It's a monthly magazine of wall-to-wall women's football, including our very own Tottenham women's team, of course. If you want to know more or grab a copy, head over to the episode description box and order yours today. Right, we'll start with Ange Postacoglu's press conference. I think the most notable thing to come from it was he was keeping tabs on your holiday. I knew you were going to go with that. (laughs) It was very unexpected. It was, to be honest with you. And it kind of, it shows you that if you kind of think you can get away with sneaking around Ange Postacoglu's like childhood kind of hometown area (laughs) you're in for a shock because he knows everything yeah it was very strange um funny funny little moment i just went and put my um phone up on the desk as we all do to to record the press conference and as i did he went welcome back and that that, that threw me straight off and it was almost like i hadn't even noticed i'm not there kind of i'm not the most memorable person in the world and then he goes uh goes yeah 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 you know um what did he say? I was trying to get the exact expression right. It was something along the lines of, uh, something like, oh, mate, of all the places to take your missus, something like that. And I mean, to be honest, it was a really nice area in Melbourne. I don't think it was so much when he grew up there. It's an area called Paran. But 
it now is like this really trendy hipster kind of place with restaurants, bars, and everything. She was she loved it, my wife. Um, and I and I said, you know, yeah, yeah, I went to Paran, and he was like, oh mate, you owe her one, and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no. she had an all right holiday; it was fine. She got to see Ramsey Street and neighbours and all that sort of stuff. She got her side of the bargain, but uh, it did make me chuckle um it kind of threw me off at the start of the presser because we're meant to kind of type up all the stuff he says like straight off the bat so we can put it in our live blog and everything and my head was like did that just happen kind of thing um yeah it was very funny he's uh clearly keeps tabs on everything and he said something a little later which i can't really say yet because it's in a part of the press conference that comes out in some of the later stuff because there's more embargoed sections because we did have it ridiculously early thursday presser for a monday night match and that's because they're all off today on the Friday. Um, but yeah, he said something that clearly showed that he'd actually read the feature as well that I wrote. So uh, it's nice to know in a way. It's nice. But, um, you know, Andrew Postacogli reads football.london. We'll take that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was just overall, to be honest, it was a fantastic press conference. It was Ange on top form, um, talking about a variety of subjects. And once I'd kind of... Uh, got my brain back into gear i asked him three questions which to be honest we got really good answers from which are kind of give us plenty to talk about in this podcast yeah shall we start with what he said about johan lang's arrival at the club obviously i think it was last month when he was uh confirmed as the new technical director starting from november the 1st which was Wednesday, now that he's had his first official day in the job, you asked about him and the January transfer window. And I think basically what he said in terms of the January transfer window will excite fans because he did mention in his view, transfer business really needs to be done early in the window. Spurs probably traditionally late movers in the transfer market. Let's hope deals are you know done in the first week or so maybe this time yeah i'd hope so i think it'll excite the fans i don't think it'll excite the club as much but <laughs> um to be fair i do feel like in a few of the recent maybe especially summer transfer windows they've started to move towards an earlier model of business which clearly is such a better way to operate um it you know, is the I winter think, ones though isn't it where yes there have been late moves absolutely i mean you only i mean the evidence is there of why it's a good thing just look at this season he got some most of the players in early, able to bed them into his philosophy. And shock horror, they've started the season really well. And yeah, the same goes for January, really. Because, yeah, so I asked him about Johan Lang because obviously he started on uh, Wednesday and he said he'd had a little quick chat with him, nothing too formal. He was quite self-deprecating. He said, I don't have the attention span for long meetings, mate. So it tends to be just casual chats with people. Um and yeah, it, it was good. But like you say, yeah, the thing he said about the January window, um, he said, January window, like for every club, is an important one. My view on the January one is that if you can get your business done early in the window, it's certainly more helpful because you leave it until the end of January. And sometimes what you attempt to gain, you've missed that opportunity by waiting a whole month. That's sometimes out of your control. So having him in is good. I think he means Lang and also Rob McKenzie, we're going to talk about in a moment. I said, I'm sure we'll have a lot of discussions between now and then. I'm looking forward to working with him. Technically, he actually said, as you said, Rob joining will help that as well. I don't think he means you. I think he does mean um, <laughs> Rob McKenzie, um, which is actually is the official confirmation that the club haven't even given us yet um, about Rob McKenzie. Although, do they normally announce a chief scout? They probably don't. I don't think it's quite high enough up the food chain. I don't think it's major, major. 
appointment, is it? No. Obviously, it could be significant if he comes in and, you know, plays a big role in transfer incomings and, and that, and, you know, the team kick on even further. But you can understand why there was an announcement about Johan Lang becoming technical director, but Chief Scout, I don't know if we'll see that appointment confirmed. Probably not. But actually, that leads me into kind of a nice area that, yeah, Rob McKenzie actually is from a lot of people I've spoken to, and it's people in other clubs, people that used to be at Spurs, agents, various people involved in the game. Rob McKenzie coming back to Spurs is seeing as a little bit of a, a, a get, you know, a little bit of a coup kind of to get him back again. Because especially, essentially, I think at, at Villa, he was head of recruitment and he's come back in to Spurs as chief scout. So on paper, you could maybe even see that as a slight, maybe a step down. I guess it's just a different title, isn't it? Maybe the same thing, different title. But, yeah, he's very well respected in the game. He's only 38 years old. Um, he was at Spurs for about 19 months back in 2015-16. Um, he was, I'm trying to remember what his title was then. It was Head of Player Identification. I've got it written down here. Um, and he's very much fits in with Lang's data-led approach. They're both of that ilk, really kind of all about the analytics side of the the scouting rather than the you know, the old school standing by the sidelines. It's all about getting the data first, absolutely making sure to the upteenth kind of degree that you can, that he fits the model, fits the system, fits the manager, and then they'll go and watch him. I guess it's a more cost-effective way of doing things as well, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, a lot of kind of good stuff about him. He played a big part in Leicester. I think he was in Steve Walsh's recruitment team there for a good, I think he was three, it was two years as a first team analyst, performance analyst. And then he had three years as part of the um, scouting team as t uh, head of technical scouting was his um, title there. And he actually played a big part, like I say, under Steve Walsh in really building the team that would actually go and then pip Spurs to the league in 2016, the year after he left, ironically, for Tottenham. I mean, some of the players that he was involved in the scouting um, that they eventually signed, like Riyad Mahrez, signed for 500 grand from Le Havre, uh, who was obviously in the French second division there. Uh, he did some of the groundwork for N'Golo Kante, uh, Kante as well um, and went to scout Jamie Vardy at Fleetwood Town. Um he was kind of quite important, I think, in bringing Esteban Cambiasso as well from Inter Milan. I think he really scouted him to make sure he would be able to adapt to the Premier League. Sometimes someone like that, at the other end of the scale, it's like someone that's played for Real Madrid, Inter Milan. It, maybe people just think, oh, well, it's obvious. It, it's not how it works in football. We've seen so many players come to Spurs and utterly be unable to adapt to the Premier League. Um, Anton Knockhart was another one that he scouted when he was at, how do you pronounce it? Is it Guigamp, the French... So, uh, Gwingomp, maybe. Gwingomp. Oh, there you go. All right, I like that. That like could that. be a wrong. A twang to it. No, 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 I'll go with that. Um, I I forgot he was at Leicester before he went to Brighton, didn't he? Was he at Huddersfield as well? Knockouts had like so many clubs in yeah. recent years. That he was been at Forest, Fulham, pretty much everywhere. It has. So yeah, so even those are just a few, and and I've got a funny feeling I haven't I haven't put that in my piece that I wrote earlier on Rob because I haven't been able to get absolute kind of cast iron proof on it. I've got a funny feeling he had some kind of part to play in Spurs signing Sonny. 
I think it was mostly Paul Mitchell, but I've got a feeling may, whether it was that they sent McKenzie over to watch him as well, just to check that he would adapt to the Premier League. I can't remember, but I've definitely kind of heard something about that link. Uh, something I'll, I'll kind of look into. But yeah, honestly, the kind of things people have said is that he's very good, he's very thorough, uh, real attention to detail. Interesting thing one person told me is that he doesn't suffer fools gladly, so he'll kind of fit in quite nicely with Postacoglu there. I think he's a another one that's very much all about the maximum efficiency of what they do. Um, and it's all part of Scott Munn's restructuring. Um, from what I understand, you know, Scott Munn came in, pretty much saw that the scouting department, the recruitment department at Spurs was wasn't set up to, how do I put this, to uncover the gems, you know, the, the, the likes of Brighton and Brentford are going for, those ones who become huge Premier League stars and then kind of are worth 100 million. And this is funny enough, this is something other people have told me about Fabio Paratici, is Fabio Paratici is brilliant at bringing in high-end young talent. So the likes of Saar and Udogi, uh, players like that, Brian Hill, um, even Romero to an extent, but he's obviously a slightly older and was a bit more expensive. But when it comes to those kind of players, perhaps he's in his element and he, he can help your club beat other clubs to those players that are well-known and everyone really wants. But maybe there was this kind of lacking or area that was lacking underneath that where they weren't bringing in these stars that no one realised were there. You know, like, a, you know, you read out those names before, like the likes of Mares and people like that who... Signed for five hundred grand. What did he go for? Something about ridiculous money. In Probably there, sixty million plus, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the kind of thing. You know, you look at the likes of Brighton and what they've done, and Leicester to a degree, the team that they built for that uh, title-winning year, um, and Brentford obviously as well. And again, people sometimes confuse this when you say about Brighton and Brentford. People think like, oh, we're, we're Tottenham, we're challenging for the team. We don't want to be another Brighton or Brentford. It's not that. It's more. Every club wants to find gems that can grow within their team. We're not saying they're going to sell them on. We're saying that they're going to be the next star for Spurs. Like, you know, we are seeing with the likes of Sarah and a doggy in a, in a different way. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that Munn kind of identified really had to be fixed. And that's why we've now seen this new data-led model with Lang coming in um, and McKenzie coming in as well as two kind of big parts or components to it. And then you've seen Gabonini obviously is headed off. And I get the impression with Leonardo Gabonini, it was that he probably felt that he was ready to be a director of football. And maybe that view wasn't shared at Tottenham. Certainly to be a director of football at Tottenham, it may be that he has to go away somewhere. I saw he did an interview, I think it was with The Athletic this week. We kind of said along the similar lines that maybe he has to go somewhere else first and start a little bit lower down the ladder as a director of football and then work his way back. Um, so we'll see how that works. I know he and um, Postacoglu had to work that little bit closer over the summer because, you know, Fabio Pratici with his uh, issues is, is more of a consultancy role now. I'm intrigued to see what happens with him now because, like I say, he's, he's very well-respected Pratici for being able to do those deals and we're seeing a lot of his signings now absolutely smashing it. And I know there's this kind of this thing now, uh, you know, on, especially on social media, people lauding him and saying how fantastic he is. And, and definitely you can't argue with the players he's brought in. The only thing I would say, and this is what some of his critics say, is that perhaps he's signed players for a completely different manager who actually work for another manager coming in with a completely different style. So you can maybe argue talent identification is there, but is he that good at signing players that fit a particular manager? 
you know, maybe he kind of, I don't want to say he got lucky because that's, that's probably going too far. Maybe, you know, the fact that he's signing very good players that could play under any manager. But certainly, you know, you look at Basuma, didn't get a look in under Conte, but happens to be a perfect player for Postacoglu. Saar didn't even get a look in really under um, Conte and now is, and it's all, even, even Porro is proving to be a better fit for Postacoglu, which none of us actually expected, to be honest. Um, so yeah, really interesting changes going on behind the scenes um, at Spurs, and uh, yeah, we, we'll get to know pretty quickly in the January window really what happens. But I think getting them in at the start of November that gives them two full months to work with Postacoglu, know exactly what he wants, and hopefully, like you said at the top of this, get those players in that little bit earlier in the window. Yeah, I mean, they've known since, what, have been end of August now, where they need to strengthen. The top priority has got to be centre-back. Uh, they're just so light there. If if Christian Romero gets injured or Mickey van der Ven or pick up a suspension, then you're looking at bringing Eric Dyer potentially into the team who's not played a minute this season. There's young Ashley Phillips, who's 18 years of age, no Premier League experience to his name, but he's clearly made a big impression on Ange Postacoglu and the Tottenham team uh, at Hotspur Way during training. And that's so you're thinking centre-back's got to be uh, top priority now and hopefully they can get that done very soon into January because they need cover. I think looking at other positions in January, I think they need another attacker whether that's a versatile forward, someone who could maybe operate from the left wing and play centrally uh, as well. Didn't just need a bit more quality in attack. Uh, midfield's going to be interesting in January because, yeah. I mean, the losing Ysbisur and Pat Matasar for a period of time, we don't know how many games at the moment. It might only be a handful Uh it's all going to depend really how Senegal and Mali do in the Africa Cup of Nations. So do you look at bringing someone, another midfielder in in January, even though you've got Benteke back, full fitness uh, soon. Pierre Mulhoibieg, uh providing he stays at the club. It's Oliver Skip, Giovanni Celso can play in the midfield free. I think there's sufficient cover there. It's just whether or not Ange Postacoglu will feel like they need another midfielder. Yeah, I think it's so dependent on the players who might want to go and whether you allow them to go. You know, we've spoken about Hoybier at length, but also even Oliver Skip. Oliver Skip might feel that he's barely got any minutes and maybe for his development, he needs to head off in the second half of the season and just get minutes under his belt. Maybe a, another team lower down the Premier League or something like that, or maybe even abroad. Um you know, kind of the way the season started with him starting the first game at Brentford and Saar on the bench, it's completely flipped from the second game onwards. Um, and Saar's been, you know, magnificent. Um, and we got, I asked um, Postacoglu about him yesterday, so we've got some good stuff on Saar. Yeah, it very much depends who heads out the door. If you see a really good opportunity to bring someone in and you think, okay, maybe this is too good to pass up, and then you go to someone like Skippy and you say, do you know what? If you want to head off, maybe you know you can go and do that. Have these six months, and then maybe Pierre will leave in the summer and head off to a new challenge. You come back, and you that you know maybe just the pathway is a little bit clearer, depending on who the new person that comes in is as well. Um, yeah, or like we say, they they get a great offer in for Hoybier, and they weigh it up, and they think, oh, do you know what? This is our last chance to get decent money for him. 
and we can use that money and go in and get player A, B, or C, um, and they're Postacoglu, you know, tailored players that fit even better into the system. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see. Like you said, I think kind of bare minimum, you definitely need another centre-back. I think there's no, you know, real cover for those two players who are so important right now. Um, and depending on whether Valise has a sudden breakout over the next couple of games, uh, sorry, next couple of months, if he gets a chance, I would be thinking about another striker, especially with Sonny heading off to the Asian Cup as well. Central striker as well, not just yes. the best tell forward, right? Okay, then. Well, uh, one that can play across. Yeah. You know, there's so yeah. many, like Johnson, you know, playing every role. Yeah. Right. As you mentioned, Papa Matasar, do you want to talk about what Ange was saying about him yesterday? Because you're certainly waxing lyrical about him. Yeah, he loves him. We could tell that right at the start of pre-season. Um, I think we were in, I think it was Thailand, and one of the journalists asked him about Saar, and he just went on in this kind of love letter almost to Matasar for... I looked back because I did a piece on him this week and it was, yeah, two very long answers. And I just asked him, um, essentially, I saw an interview a little while back with uh, Saar who said he didn't really know whether he was going to end up being a 6, 8 or a 10 eventually as a midfielder. Um, three very different roles, you know, one a defensive one, one a box-to-box and one more of an attacking player. But he's so versatile, he's kind of got the characteristics of all of them. And so I asked um, Postacoglu, you know, which do you think he's going to develop into? Uh, and he just said, good thing is he can run and play all three at once. <laughs> he just he just loves him. He just thinks he's so good. Um, it, it was quite a long answer, so I'm going to read it all out, but just cherry-picking bits from it. He said his great strength is his running and his energy. Um, and sometimes he'll be a six, sometimes an eight, sometimes a ten, and sometimes even a fullback. And he does it all with ease because of his energy. Um, and he actually was quite, he said about the things he's got to improve as well. He said he'll have to refine some areas of his game. Sometimes his decision-making is a little bit rushed. But geez, for where he's at in his career, uh, what he's providing for us is enormous at the moment. It's true. He's just had a brilliant breakout season for Spurs. Um, and, you know, we've said it enough times. If he played for Brighton, Chelsea would probably be lodging a bid right about now for like £120 million pounds or something for him. Um, and yeah, he's uh, he loves him, does Big Ange. He's a big fan of Pat Matasar, and like you say, going to be a big loss in January when he heads off um, to the Africa Cup of Nations. Yeah, I think the best thing about Saar for me is Tottenham haven't even seen the best of him yet. There's still so many more levels for him uh, to go up. He's, he's some player, and as you said, he wasn't even in the team on the opening day at Brentford, but come back in that Manchester United performance was outstanding and he's followed up some really really good showings including last Friday uh, away at Crystal Palace so yeah I think Tottenham are lucky to have a player of Pat Matasar's uh, quality on the books and I think you've just got to give big big praise to Fabio Paratici for getting the deal done so I think it was 14.6 million signed in from Mets yeah yeah, yeah. Not bad, not bad at all. It's not too shabby, is it? Right, one of Paratici's other deals, uh, I think the same summer, Christian Romero. Uh, you asked Ange about him yesterday in his press conference because Romero has been nominated for the Premier League Player of the Month for October. 
certainly de- deserves that, that recognition. Whether or not he'll win the award, not sure. But you know, Ange again just hailing him. Yeah, it's one of those where we were looking at nominees, and I think. Unfortunately, these awards probably all, always go to the attackers, don't they? It, it's not as kind of frequent the defenders get it, despite the fact he's been phenomenal. Him and Van der Ven. I think Van der Ven could have easily snuck into the category as well with him. Um, but it's quite rare that you kind of get two defenders, I guess, from the same team. Um, but yeah, he just raved about Romero. Um, said, I just think he's an outstanding defender, a strong personality and a real winner's mindset in everything he does. And he keeps pointing to this fact. And it's true that, you know, you've got Vicario coming in, who's new. You've got Van de Ven, who's coming in, that's new. Destiny Nogi playing his first season in the Premier League. You've got Porro, who's just kind of, yes, it's his second, second, well, he's only had half a season, but his second season, but he's playing in a very new position. So the one constant is Christian Romero. And he has knitted that back line together um, and stepped up with the, a level of responsibility and a lack of recklessness that we all prayed that he had. And he's proving that he has, you know, he's able to kind of just mature, I guess, as a defender and a player. Um, and he just, yeah, he called him a rock in there. And he said the other guys feel security having them beside him. Um, and they said the good thing that is there's more to come from him. He wants to improve. He works so hard every day. You need it. He's a winner. And I can see that in him in the way that he trains, the way he plays. So it helps from a cultural perspective as well, I guess, in the group. Um, yeah, I don't think other players like training against Christian Romero. I think he leaves his mark on you. Um, he's definitely one of those players. And I just love the kind of the yin and yang element to it of him just being this full-blooded front foot defender, Van der Ven being the more measured defender. And they just work brilliantly. And they seem to love each other. They're always embracing on the pitch, hugging each other. Honestly, it's such a bromance on Instagram after every game. There's always like... um, Van der Ven's always calling Romero like top, top defender. And then he always seems to reply with Mickey Mouse or something like that. I think it's his little nickname for him. Um, and it's great. That's what you need. I mean, we saw that with Alderweireld and Vertonghen. They knew each other since they were kids. They had an amazing relationship. They knew each other's game inside out. And if they can kind of develop a friendship as well as a pairing, I actually think that benefits them in terms of knowing each other's games. It's just a simple little thing. Van der Ven's incredibly popular early on. I've, I've noticed that from a lot of the training staff and watching him before and after games. He's another one of those. And this is a great aspect of this group, I think, right now and why Spurs have created another real family group and that doesn't seem to be clicks. I mean, yes, you could argue, oh, they've got the South Americans and all of that, but they all seem to mix really well with the other, the rest of the group as well. And Van der Ven and Saar and players like that, they all just... Uh, Basuma, they're all kind of matey with each other. And I do think it comes from the top down. It comes from Sonny. It comes from Sonny being someone that flits between all of the different groups. And I think Madison's the same. I think Romero's becoming the same as well. Um, and yeah, it's uh, again, goes back to that leadership group and what a big player Romero's becoming. Um, and yeah, don't think you'll get the, money, uh, the player of the month award, but he certainly uh, deserves it in my eyes because he's been superb. Yeah, the other nominees for October's Player of the Month are Douglas Louise at Aston Villa. He scored two goals in three appearances, also got an assist. Brian Mbuemo at Brentford, two goals, two assists in four games. Uh, Pedro Neto at Wolves, who's had big, big impact, three assists. 
Declan Rice at Arsenal, there's Romero, and then there's Mohamed Salah, who you'd think is going to be favourite. Five goals in October. The others, obviously, have done really, really well, but I'd imagine Salah's going to be coming out on top in that one. And then, yeah. obviously, uh, Ange Postacoglu nominated for the Barclays Manager of the Month for the third month uh, on the trot. Potentially, if he wins this, this will be his third one on the trot. And, I mean, that'll be an incredible start if he does manage to, you know, win the gong again. Uh, looking at the others in contention, Mikhail Arteta, Unai Emery at Aston Villa, who's done an absolute incredible job in the Midlands. And then there's Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. All three of those managers, they've won two, drawn one of their three games in October. And Postacoglu's won all three. So if you're looking at the bare facts there, surely it's Ange who wins it. You know, it's one of those things. In a On paper, in a normal world, I think he, he runs away with it. I think he takes it, he gets the third straight success. I think that's the first time a new manager will have done that in the Premier League as well, to win three on the bounce just when they've joined. Um, I think if you win every game, I think you're the manager of the month. Yes, you know, they'll say, oh, but some of the opposition weren't as strong as the other managers were facing. Yeah, but they didn't win every game. It's as simple as that. If you win every game, you've done everything you can possibly do as a manager. Um, I've just got a feeling that they'll find some way to kind of like, no, no, we don't want to get them, let them get carried away with themselves. We don't want to let them have three in a row. That's too much. Um, and it'll end up going to someone else because, you know, Spurs have swept it so far, haven't they? Player and manager, yeah, you know, yeah. Madison and Sonny. Um, and I don't think Romero will get it. I'd love it if he did, but I'd be stunned if he did. Um, and I've just got this funny feeling that Postacoglu, they'll look at something. They'll look at some of the teams, like maybe because Arteta, they won against Man City or something like that, and and they'll find someone else. Like you say, you know, Emery's done a terrific job as well, and they'll just feel, oh, it's not fair. We've got to share it out among the <laughs> others. And it's like, no, you don't have to. You don't have to. Just acknowledge the man that has got his team top of the Premier League and has won every single game in the month. It's as simple as that. But... Uh, Either way, it's great recognition of what he's doing and great recognition of what his staff and the team are doing. Yeah, you can only beat what's put in front of you at the end of the day and yeah. you've got to play all these teams twice over the course of the season. Then if you're just looking at it, three wins from three compared to the others, then surely Ange wins it. But if he doesn't, I'd probably be leaning towards Emery. I think he's done really, really good job at Villa. They got a big, big win over West Ham, uh, beat Luton and then drew away at Wolves. So, yeah, I mean, probably next week, I imagine, we'll find out who's won it. Yeah, it normally takes a while, doesn't it? We're always kind of wondering when it's going to actually be announced. It does. It takes far longer than you'd expect to just literally count some votes. <laughs> That's all it is, really. Right, as we're now at the halfway stage of the pod, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? course if you're not aware by now i have to tell you this the golden guest talk tottenham podcast is sponsored by nordvpn and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience nordvpn is the fastest vpn in the world and that means there's no buffering no lagging and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling it's something i've used across the world over the years long before nord came on board with the podcast and it's never let me down um, it's a way of streaming things and watching shows that you've paid for back home that maybe 
for some unknown reason, they restrict you from watching when you head abroad. And this allows you to set your device to thinking it's back at home. You can use it for a security aspect as well in helping to try to lock down your devices when you're using public Wi-Fi. It's just a really helpful um, service overall. And not only that, but the outlay on a NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. And that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, let's say you could book flights from another country um, and it could be cheaper by doing it that way. So it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your Nord Nord VPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Let's move on to Monday's big game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Chelsea, the visitors, they'll be making the trip across London. And they do have Maurizio Pochettino in charge of them now. He's in charge a bit of a mixed start, to say, uh, during his time at Stamford Bridge. Uh, a couple of good results, some poor ones as well. And maybe in the past couple of games, should have come out of the games with points, especially that Arsenal one when they were 2-0 up and Arsenal were really, really poor at Stamford Bridge that night. So he'll be making his return to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I mean, it'll be pretty much four years on from his uh, Tottenham dismissal. I think that was just over the halfway stage in November 2019. And it's taken some time for him uh, to return to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And what do you think his reception will be like? I mean, surely it'll be a good one. There'll certainly be some respect there, you'd think. I hope so. I I get where people's frustration has come from that he went to Chelsea. I understand it. I would also say Spurs were not looking to bring him back to them. So it was almost like it was the best job that was offered to him. And what's he supposed to do? Just sit there saying, no, thank you very much. I'll sit here out of work. But I also understand that of all the teams to go to, yes, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal are probably the two that you really didn't want him to go to. Um, and I wonder, I think this will be a good test of the difference maybe between social media and fans inside a stadium. Because I've seen some accounts have done like polls to see what people would do. And I've seen like 40, 50% of people are out of the various three or four options have been that they're going to boo and things like that. But I just wonder whether actually in the environment in the stadium, whether that's a different thing. For me personally, I just think everything's going well at Spurs at the moment. You've got a manager who is just smashing it right now, and everyone's got behind him. They've absolutely everyone's bought into the Postacoglu way. I don't think there's any need to kind of I don't want to say lower the tone because that's the wrong way to put it, but. I don't think there's any need to be that bothered by someone else to actually feel that you have to boo them. In a way, just for me, I hope people just respect what he did for five and a half years at their club because he did do a hell of a lot. Let's be honest. Of course, he didn't win a trophy, but my goodness, that man massively overachieved with that Tottenham Hotspur team that he had right then. A club that was completely focused on building a stadium rather than a team. He just went about his work behind the scenes created a team that challenged for the title in two different seasons, 
you know, and which we're raving about the fact that Postacoglu might do that this season while still not actually saying he might because we're scared of it, which is understandable. But, you know, Pochettino was actually doing that for two years. They were in the title race um, and they were top three, three years in a row. They finished top four, four years in a row. They got to a historic Champions League final. You know, you and I were there that night in Madrid, as painful as it ended up being. But just the fact that they got there, you know, this guy provided so many huge memorable moments for Tottenham. I just think it would be such a shame that just because of his current employment, and they're not doing very well either, you know, maybe it'd be different if they were flying high at the top of the league. I just don't, for me, feel like there's that enough ammunition to get that upset about it. But that's just me. Everyone's different. Everyone may carry that little bit more anger or resentment. I don't know. Um, and maybe again, it comes down to the fact that, you know, you and I, we were dealing with him kind of day in, day out as well. Um, in our, well, not day in, <laughs> we're like, hey, Mauricio, we're like rigging him up kind of, you know, week in, week out is really the better way to put it. Um, so maybe we just have that slightly different kind of relationship. Uh, and maybe we're able to just see it as, as a job, I guess, for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been saying all nice things about the club today as well. We saw his Chelsea press conference talking. He thinks Spurs are title contenders. He thinks it's going to be really special to come back for the first time to the club. I hope he's given a good send off. Do you know what? Postacoglu spoke brilliantly about him. He absolutely captured the balance really nicely. The question was quite funny in the press conference. It was along the lines of, you know, no one likes to be reunited with an ex, especially when your ex is with someone now that you hate. Um, and then he was asking about, he was asked about the kind of the, the reception that was going to greet him. And he was like, you could see, he was like, what? <laughs> I wasn't expecting the question to be phrased like that. And it really made him chuckle. Um, and he just said, well, it's undoubted that he had an unbelievable impact on this football club. Um, and he said, if you speak to anyone behind the scenes at the club, they speak so highly of him. You know, he almost took the club to the ultimate summit of the Champions League, got close in the league. So his work is unquestioned. Um, and he said, look, I doubt there will be anything but respect from Mauricio from anyone at this football club, supporters or people associated, but it doesn't mean he'll get a guard of honour on Monday night because we want to win. And I don't think he would expect that. But his tenure here and the impact here is undeniable and it will stand the test of time. Whenever people think of Mauricio and his time here as a Spurs manager, they will only look upon it with respect and fondness. And I thought that was a fantastic way to put it. It really was. I don't think I've ever come across a manager that speaks as well as Postacoglu. It is ridiculous, like how kind of thoughtful he is. And, and funnily enough, this week I've been reading some of the things because he used to write a column in a, um, a newspaper in Australia each week. And you can just tell he's got that way with words. You know, it's quite a kind of uh, when you're a journalist yourself and you kind of see this guy who isn't even his first job absolutely smashing you at what you do yourself. It's all oh, great. Is there anything he kind of can't do? Um, but yeah, I just thought he absolutely hit the tone perfectly with Pochettino that I just, I hope that's the case. I hope, I know there were some people that were really dispirited with him towards the end of his time. And I think that came from everything being a bit stale at the club, but I think to kind of revise history and rewrite what happened and make out that Pochettino didn't do brilliant things for Tottenham Hotspur would be such a shame. Um, and I guess we'll see it. I don't, I don't know how it will work, whether... Pochettino will come out before kickoff and people will have a reaction to that, whether they'll announce him. I don't know if they'll go that far to actually announce him. Would you announce him with the teams? They don't normally say the manager when they do the team lineups, do they? No, I can't see him 
announcing him, but who knows? Because, I mean, he did achieve so much at the club in his, his first return back, so maybe there will be a change for once. I'm not sure. Maybe but... Coity. Coity say something, and a welcome back to our former manager, something like that. Yeah, I think he'll get a good reception. Well, I think he deserves one anyway. Uh, he achieved a lot at the club uh, because, I mean, you were looking at where they were previously in the table in the Premier League. What was it, about six or seventh maybe? And then he just totally ele- elevated them. And there was that period probably about three months into his tenure when he was looking at potentially being sacked if they didn't win at Aston Villa when yeah. Kane scored that deflected free kick. And then in his second full season to have the team in title contention and then the following season as well when Chelsea pipped him to the league title. I think when you look back at his reign, there's un- undoubted success there. Some major, major high points, but he didn't quite you know, get over the final hurdle and win that uh, elusive trophy that the club are desperately craving. the clubs? Uh, maybe should have been backed more in the market, you know, especially that, was it summer of 2018? Was it oh, 2018 God, when yeah. no one came in and they should have yeah. signed Jack Grealish? Uh, because you can't afford to stand still in football no. because Liverpool... The season before that, they were absolutely battered at Wembley, weren't they? Was it 4-1? And then yep. they brought in Van Dyke, brought in Allison, and they they just moved ahead of Spurs. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you just can't afford to stand still. You, you need to keep building and building. This is what, you know, like Man City, when they've won the Premier League, the law was had like Gavardiol uh, this summer, spent big, big amounts. That's what you need to do. And Spurs, unfortunately, didn't, I mean... And what a team he had. Because uh, you always get it on... What a team he built. Yeah. I mean, you always look at it on it. Twitter and Instagram. It'll show like picture of the starting 11 and you've got Alderweirel, Vertonghen, Rose, Walker, Lloris, Dembele, Wanyama, Eriksen, Ali, Son, Kane. And yeah. the question is like, how didn't this team win the trophy? Uh, yeah. I mean, got to a couple of finals... Shame they didn't do the job in Madrid, but I mean, along the way, some really, really good nights, especially that one away at Ajax, beating Man City at home in the first European game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. There's a number of high points. Just the shame. Madrid. Yeah. Champions League, that was brilliant as yeah, well. Yeah, Dortmund as well at home. Uh, there's loads. Barcelona away in the Camp Nou. Yeah, that was superb. Loads. Uh, yeah, it's just a shame he couldn't get that trophy because I think he deserved one. Yeah, I think that's where it comes down to. I think the club definitely let him down at times. They weren't, almost he and his team outgrew what the club could be at that point because of the stadium build. I think it was just, they were very lucky to have that happen to them, the club with Pochettino, but then also it ended up being essentially they were like constrained in this small box and they wanted to break out and they couldn't do that. But there were also moments, you know, every manager has his flaws. You know, we get to see them with Postacoglu. I'm sure we will at some point. Um, little things that, you know, they could be better at. And with Poch, 
we just started to see them towards the end. I don't think when it came to those big games, sometimes tactically, he was um, you know, not uh, quite on the, the same level at times. And I think that was because he was a young manager who was probably still learning at that time. And he may well get better and better in those moments. I think he didn't react too well to the adversity towards the end, especially the Champions League final defeat. I think that was a very different Pochettino we got in the final six months or so. Um, You know, I think that was a really difficult one for him to shake off. And I think that kind of permeated around the whole club from from that point. Um, But again, doesn't take away from anything he did. Um, I I do think he made such a huge impact. Certainly until now in the Postacoglu era, that's the most I've enjoyed watching Spurs um, that I can probably remember since... God, I'm going back here and showing my age now. Maybe the Venables era. That's probably for me. I know, you know, with Redknapp, there was some kind of fun with Van der Vaart and Bale and the likes of that. Bale's coming back, isn't he? Yeah, Monday night. he is. He is. It's a half-time guest with Coity. Um, But for me, yeah, it, it, the Pochettino era was just so many brilliant nights, so many fantastic performances. I mean, that whole last season at White Hart Lane was ridiculous. That The North London derby, at White Hart Lane, the final one there, the game against Man U that kind of sealed the stadium and everything, and it was the time at the stadium. There were so many moments like that, and he was a genuinely good guy as well. You felt that. He was a guy that wanted the best for the club and felt a real connection with the club, but he is now the manager of Chelsea, and we all want him to lose (laughs) on Monday (laughs) with everything I've just said. If Spurs can come away with a a big performance against Chelsea, I think that's huge. And it's another... This is a real block of four to six games now for Spurs, and it all kicks off with this one. Um, It's going to be a hell of a Monday night at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The noise, I'd hope, rather than being kind of something unpleasant for Pochettino. I hope it's a really hostile atmosphere for the Chelsea team. Not like, you know, not hostile in the the scenes that some of we've seen on the continent in the last couple of days in the, which bus was it? Was it Leon bus? I'm trying to remember who it was. Yeah, it was Leon bus at Marseille. Yeah. 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 I don't mean to that extreme. I just mean (laughs) making the stadium a really difficult place for them to come and play. Um, Because... That's what you need. It needs to be, uh, although I was about to say fortress, but then Postacoglu kind of calls it a nightclub now, doesn't he? He says he's quite happy with it being a nightclub because it shows they're happy and dancing and enjoying themselves. That was the other thing he said that made me chuckle. He confirmed that there was a team meal and we saw the kind of video and images of it this week. And they were like, uh, so I think the question was something like, they seemed like they were having fun. Were you there as well? He said, no, the reason it was fun was because I wasn't there. <laughs> I thought it was a really good answer. And I can't imagine him sitting there having a big old knees up and a dinner with the players anyway. He's not that kind of guy. Um, but yeah, yeah, massive night, Monday night. And I'm intrigued to see what the team is because there's going to be some little, maybe one selection dilemma he might have. Yeah, he was asked, obviously, about team news going into it and Spurs didn't have Destiny Doggy for the Crystal Palace match. He came off uh, four days before against Fulham after 56 minutes with tightness, uh, even though Andrew said tightness in that Spurs play interview, <laughs> yeah. we, we think. We're never going to let that go, are we? No, no. Uh, 
So yeah, there's question marks over him, and then it seems like Ben Davis uh, got a bit of like an Benny ang- Davis. Benny You've got to Davis. call him Benny Davis now. That's yeah. what Ange calls him. It sounds like a jazz kind of performer. Benny and Davis. Benton Kerr's Roddy now. Roddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And he he was asked, um, I can't remember what he was asked about, something about Vicario, but yeah, he calls Vicario Vic, doesn't he? He like just, this is very kind of uh, nicknames maybe you're not expecting them to have. I like Benny Davis. Surely the destiny's got to be Des. Surely. Are you just saying that it's like, going to be an old gits? Like, yeah, yeah. Vic and Des. Des Vic, Roddy. Benny, Roddy and Cootie. Yeah. I don't know if Cootie's an old git kind of name, but. Yeah, no, so. Destiny is uh, iffy, isn't he? It's a little bit kind of 50 50 was the expression. Yeah, Destiny's 50 50, but I mean, Andrew was speaking on Thursday and it's usually like press conference, usually a day or two before, a bit longer this time with the game being on Monday said Benny Davis obviously came off at halftime, a uh, bit of an ankle issue. So maybe question marks really uh, over both of those plays. And you'd hope Destiny's in a position to be fit. But I think if there's any question marks over him, then surely you you rest him. She don't want to aggregate the problem, uh, aggravate the problem even uh, further. I mean, if both are missing, surely it's Emerson who can, comes in at left back, but fingers crossed their destiny will be in a position to play. Yeah, I mean, the way he spoke about it, again, I could be reading far too much into the way he said it, but he said, Benny Davies, he said he hasn't trained with the team yet, so he's touch and go. And he said, destiny is still working his way through it. We haven't ruled him out of the game yet. Obviously, we've still a few days up our sleeves. He didn't actually say that destiny, the doggy, isn't training. No. He said that Ben Davies wasn't, but he didn't really say it about Destiny. So I would imagine if there's one player you probably want to try and get in a position, uh, you know, is Destiny, purely because of the width and the balance he'll give you down that side. But like you say, if he's in, if he's in a position where he's there's any doubt about it, you probably don't take the risk. Um, Emerson's going to give you a different kind of performance. Um, maybe, uh, I was going to say, maybe better in defensive nature. But I don't think that's actually the case because the doggy's defended so well this season. I don't think you can even apply that to him. But you certainly are probably going to get less going forward from Emerson, mainly because he's not the greatest when it comes to going forward, but also he's on his wrong foot. Um, but he can play the... He's better at playing inside in that number 10 role, I think, than Ben Davies is. Um, so you're going to get that out of him. But I don't think there's any other option. You know, I think you have to. The only kind of wild card thing you could do is maybe play Van der Ven there and bring in, I don't know, God knows, Eric Dyer or Ashley Phillips. Um, but you're just not going to do that. You're not going to take Van der Ven out of one of the best central defensive partnerships Spurs have had in years, shove him out on the left for no good reason. So I think it has to be Emerson. He literally is the only fit kind of player there. I was trying to think if there's um, even anyone in the academy that could suddenly step up, but I'd. I don't think you take that chance in a game of that magnitude. Um, I, th- I think it has to be Emerson. But hopefully Destiny is in a position where it's all not quite a bluff, but maybe they're slightly overplay it just to make Chelsea have a bit of doubt in that position. Because let's be honest, the rest of the team's going to pick itself pretty much. Other than up front, thinking about it, who do you go up front with? Uh, I'd maybe give Brendan Johnson a goal. <gasps> you drop Richarlison? Have you let him know of your I, decision? I, I didn't say Richarlison, did I? Oh, hello. Okay, go on. 
No, you probably you probably would be Richie, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, no, I'd give Brendan Johnson a go, and then you can have the impact of Richie coming off the bench uh, if needed. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to unleash Brendan Johnson now. We saw what he can offer in those final 20, 25 minutes at Crystal Palace. Got an assist within two minutes of coming on. I think this is the game. Just let him have a go at Chelsea. Get him to run at the Chelsea backline and cause problems. He's just direct, isn't he? Uh, bags of pace, skill. He can be a really, really good player for Spurs. I think it's just, unfortunately, it's just been so stop-start for him because he signed mm. the day before uh, the Premier League stopped for the first international break of the season then got injured in his first start and you've just been waiting for him to come back. Uh, a couple of sub-appearances now. Yeah, just give him a go from the off. And also, I guess if you haven't got Udogi and you haven't got that natural width, maybe Johnson is more inclined to just run down the wing than Richarlison might be, who might maybe come inside a bit more. Um, although maybe you could argue having Emerson and Richarlison together, the Brazilian connection, maybe they can link up well. Um I personally would go with Brennan Johnson. Yeah, I think Richie probably offer more defensively over Johnson. Uh, but then have you got Emerson already there who's likely to sit back? Yeah, there? yeah. It's up to Ange. End of day. <laughs> it is, it is. But we can speculate. Well, he, he didn't um, say we could. I mean, he might listen to this. I mean, if he's reading your stuff on the website. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he would ever listen to our opinions on this, or anyone's opinions. Quite frankly, I think he's very much a man of his own mind. Um, well, you might we find can, out can... next press conference. Yeah, no, I think we could we could try and kid ourselves that we have any say in anything. Um, but yeah, I think the pace of Johnson, allied with the creativity of Kulusevski, I saw a stat. I, I, didn't see it backed up anywhere else, but I don't know if you saw it, that Kudusevsky's created more chances than any other player in the Premier League. Still no assist, though, this season. So, Still I mean, no, yeah. that's but down to that... those yeah, who are setting up and not taking Like it. your mate Richarlison. And Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. It's everyone. But it's uh, that was really interesting because that's one of those. That can you can you criticise a player who is you know, for a lack of assist when he's creating more chances than any other player in the Premier League, if that's a true stat. I'm sure it is. I'm sure someone wouldn't just randomly make that up. Um, but yeah, for me, Son, Johnson and uh, Kulusevski, that's a really kind of dynamic uh, front three with such different kind of attributes. Was that the one that started against Arsenal? I think it was. Yeah, it? it will have been, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they looked good every time they went forward with that attack. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's if Spurs go for it, they've got the potential to rip Chelsea apart. They do because Chelsea are in a kind of a more fragile state of mind right now. Let's don't get me wrong. Chelsea have also got enough talent on the pitch to cause plenty of problems for Spurs. But if Spurs do what they can do and they show that they've gelled that little bit quicker than Chelsea, um, this maybe is one where we're able to say. Finally, wow, look at the attacking play, you know, with Madison pulling the strings and things like that. As long as you just don't do anything daft early on. It's the kind of game where Spurs can end up handicapping themselves early on. Um, they've got to be, you know, really professional about it and not get carried away, I guess, with the atmosphere. Um, because, yeah, it could be a real um, 
kind of marker point in the season if they could do something really good on Monday night. Yeah, uh, hopefully when we're back next week, we'll be discussing another three points. Spurs will be looking to keep their position at the top of the table. Arsenal have a really tricky game tomorrow night away at Newcastle. Then City are at home to Bournemouth, so three points there. You'd assume uh, Liverpool are at Luton. Might be a tight one. I mean, Spurs didn't have it all their own way at Kenilworth Road, so... All Spurs can do is just concentrate on themselves, just keep getting the three points and see where that puts them come the end of the season. So what do you reckon Monday then? Do you want to give a score prediction or no? We'll just leave it there. <laughs> um, I'm Yeah, I'm terrible with predictions. I'm not going to even ruin it for uh, for Spurs uh, and all the fans that will enjoy the game. Um, it's I just want a good game. I want a victory. I want a nice moment for Pochettino before the game, but I want him to be sad after the game <laughs> that his team didn't even come away with a point, to be honest. It'll be interesting to see him. It's the first time I've seen him uh, in the flesh since, you know, since he left Spurs. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether he kind of just like, just glares at everyone. I remember you lot, you're right about how rubbish we were towards the end. Um, but I also remember being very upset that he went in terms of the way I wrote about it. I didn't like the way Spurs dealt with it at all. Um, and we've seen what came next. It, it didn't really work out for them in the aftermath. You know, you do wonder what might have happened had they just decided to uh, try and revamp things with him involved rather than without him, whether it led to something a bit different. Yeah, I know it's probably not been a good couple of years after Pochettino's appointment. I'd say Antonio Conte got Tottenham back into the Champions League, but Spurs have Ange Postecoglou now. They're heading in one direction, the top of the Premier League. So, yeah, while it may be unfortunate that Maurizio Pochettino lost his job, I think Spurs are now back on track, at least. Right, uh, we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Talk. One more little thing on, to then. say, though. Go I on. do have to say, oh, obviously, we've got one more little... <laughs> Yes, one more little ad to do that we have to squeeze in as well. And I just have to say, it doesn't get more exciting at Tottenham Hotspur this season. And the best way to soak up all the atmosphere is inside premium hospitality. Guaranteed seats to all home matches, indulge in unforgettable, if you can say that, unforgettable <laughs> dining experiences at Spurs, world-class stadium, and enjoy exclusive member-only events outside match days too. Premium at Tottenham Hotspur. It's unmatched. Visit TottenhamHotspur.com forward slash premium to find out more. Right. That's it. We'll call it a day now on today's episode. <laughs> we of... can call it a day now, can we? Yeah, yeah we is can. that right? We can, we can finish it. That's it. Right. Uh, as ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to NordVPN.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay and so are we.